Hey, this is Vernon Jacobs, Senior Pastor of the Embassy Church. I want to thank you for engaging with us through this podcast. May it build your faith and strengthen your walk and cause you to reach the rooftop in Christian living. Don't forget to aim high and never give up. Let's go now straight into this word. Fatherhood. The word fatherhood is broken up into two words, father in the hood. Uh, the father in the hood, all right? And uh, I think the American, you know, when you speak about the hood, it's the place or the space that you live in. And that's why we say, speak about my neighborhood. That's the place I dwell in. So the father, the man in my space, the man in my space is my father, all right? And so that's why you get fatherhood. Now, the Bible speaks about, in Psalm chapter number 127, verse 3, it says, Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. That means children are a reward to us. But a man is a man, but a father is only a father when he has a child. So when a man births a child, he has the honor and the privilege and that honor and privilege is given to us by God. You remember in the Bible, the first instruction to a man called Adam was be fruitful, be fruitful. So fathering is, has its origin in, in the Genesis uh, of, of chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 2. When he says, be fruitful and multiply. When... when when God sent or put Adam on the earth, he, he, he had fathering as a top priority and he loaded him with seed. And that's why the male seed, if, if demons have an agenda, the, the, the number one priority is to kill the male seed. All right? So I want you to understand today that fathering is a privilege given to us by God. Fathering is an opportunity also to pour ourselves into the ones we love so dearly. That means our children. I read a long time ago that if you want to have continuity of your life, Pour yourself into your children and your ch you will live your next life through your children and your children's children. Uh, I believe that when people look at my grandson today, they see me. When they see my grandson's sons, they'll also see me. So we have continuity uh, in and through our children and our children's children, all right? So, I, I know some of you uh, are not happy with the behavior of your children. It's not that you're not happy with your children. Sometimes these children can drive you crazy. They can make you mad. But no matter how unresponsive your children are, which road may bend in the future with them, Fathers must dedicate themselves to this privilege and this responsibility of fatherhood. Can I have an amen? <laughs> now, let me, you know, many of us may not have had perfect role models as fathers. I know the generation of the past, not this one, but the generation of the past, our fathers 
I think when it came to Fridays, uh, they had friends. Uh, and most of their friends were named Jack, Daniels, Mainstay. Um, they, that was the names of their, their, their friends. And they all gathered around these friends. Johnny, Walker. Do you all know those people? And, and, and so they were not perfect role models. But the Bible speaks about God is a father. And if you're looking for a role model, and today I'm going to use the modeling of God as a father, uh, we find God is a tender father. In Romans 8 verse 15, he's a tender father. Somebody say tender hearted. And uh, in Romans 8 15, he addresses us to uh, address him as Abba. Abba, Father. In Aramic, the, it's the equivalent for Daddy. Somebody say Daddy. So that's in 8, Romans 8.15. So we have a Father in God. Taking it from there, we also have in the Bible that He is a listening Father. Because in Matthew chapter 6, there's a prayer that is written and Jesus speaks about this prayer. And He says, when you pray, to a listening God, the first word Jesus says is say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so we, we are told here that God is not only our daddy, but is a daddy who listens. Is a listening father. Somebody say listening father. And the next thing is uh, we see God as an example, as in a role model, saying to Jesus, his son. I've taught you this in the past. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father is so pleased with his son after his baptism. And John the Baptist baptizes him. A voice from heaven, which is daddy the tender-hearted one saying to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So we have daddy who has a tender heart that listens and now also speaks words of affirmation. So in Matthew chapter number 3 verse 17, he says this, I am pleased with you. You see, where are you going with this? I'm talking to fathers. If you're listening to me, we should learn. We may not have had good role models, but we can always remodel ourselves. And so uh, God is a God that, as a father, teaches us to affirm. Always use, seize moments to say, you did well. I'm pleased with you. Children want to know that. And so God is one who affirms. And then in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, God says, If you who are evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will the Father in heaven give to you? And so we see another characteristic of God the Father is a giving God, is a giving Father. His hands are not there to receive from his children, but he's always there to bless his children. Lest I forget to mention today that our role is not to produce many sons so that the sons 
sons will take care of us. Our role is to leave an inheritance for our children. It is not for us to draw from them, but it's for us to give to them. As fathers, your goal, your aim in life should be a resource center for your children. Not to draw from them, but for them to draw from you. And so, let me show you again this specimen of a good father. Are you with me? Thank you. A specimen of a good father we see, and my old message is centered around this. Four things of God the Father. Will you say after me, he's tender-hearted. I can't hear you say, is tender-hearted. Number two, is a good listener. Number three, one who affirms his children. And number four, one who gives to his children. Uh, I know we're 50, but let's make it sound like it's 500. All right, because as you say it, I want you to get it into your spirit. If you're watching, even at home, shout. Let the neighbors get up and know what fathers are all about. Number one, he's a tender-hearted father. And if you're a father, you should be a? Wonderful. And if you're a father, you should? And if you're a father, you should be one? Hallelujah. Now, let me give you a story, and I'm going to take these four points, and I'm going to punch it into your spirit. I'm going to punch it into your spirit. What are the four points? He is, you've got to be tender-hearted. My wife woke up this morning, and she gave me a hug, and gave me a kiss, and said, you happy Father's Day. And she said, you're a better father than a husband. I said, did you have to say that? Well, she said, that's the truth. You're a far better father. And now that I see you, she says, you're a far better grandfather. Uh, because now we've got time to play with these children. I didn't have enough time to, to invest in my children. But when those, the boy comes, puppy, let's kick soccer, puppy. These legs are so hard to move, but they keep you moving, all right? Uh, but... We never stop learning. If you've not been tender-hearted, there's no reason why after this word you can't become tender-hearted. Don't die the same, on the same page that you were born. Write your story. Write your story. And so as you learn, make adjustments to your lives. Can I have an amen? amen. And so we need to be, number one, as God is tender-hearted. A story is told of Amy, who is now 15 years. But at the age of five, there was a, a, a thunderstorm. And for the first time, Amy heard such loud thunder and saw such streaking lightning. In the midst of that thunderstorm, afraid, she ran into a parent's room and she said, Mama, Mama, I'm scared. But Daddy woke up to the, the, the pleas of the child rather than Mama and he addressed her and he said, It won't kill you. Get back to your room. She said, But Daddy, I'm scared. 
scared. He said, learn to live with it. It won't kill you. Uh, Mama looked at the floor, stared without wanting to adjust what daddy was saying, and daddy sent her back in the direction of her room. The thunder grew louder. The streaks of lightning and flashes came into her bedroom. Amy went into the bathroom, switched on a light, and slept in the tub. The sad part of the story is that it is a true story. And Amy slept the entire, more, entire night through the, th the thunderstorm in that bath with the light on. And she, the next morning, got up and uh, uh, she, she overcame it outwardly, but inwardly. She was not scared anymore of the thunderstorm, but she was so emotionally broken at the response of her father. You know what her father did? He lacked support for her in a moment of fear. He lacked, he lacked showing comfort to this child in a moment when she wanted comfort. Amy is now 15 years of age. And a person who, whose need for comfort and support is not being met, is likely to feel alone, so say psychologists. The thunderstorm was for a night, but the emotional damage was for a lifetime. And sometimes fathers who are not tender-hearted in a moment when that tenderness is needed, you can damage your child for a lifetime, as Amy felt. Amy felt discouraged. Amy was empty. Amy felt insecure. Amy felt alone. And Amy felt empty. One night that she needed comfort and support, but the father said you can do it alone because he did not have a heart of tenderness. Somebody said tender-hearted. You know what happened to Amy? And this is what happens to many girls who don't receive affirmation from their fathers. They succumb to pressure and they become sexually active in an attempt to meet emotional needs. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Maybe via the live stream. Maybe you've neglected because you didn't see the need to be tender-hearted. I rise this morning to talk to you on this Father's Day to say that you can amend your ways. We don't have to be brusto. We feel that we got to be in charge. But you can also be in charge and yet have a heart of tenderness. Somebody say tender-hearted. Now, where do you get it from, Pastor? Well, it's in Psalm chapter number 34, verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Somebody shout amen. The Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. This daughter needed rescue. This father, because his sleep was terminated. Because he was disturbed, not by the thunder, but by the sounds of Amy's voice. In anger, he dispensed with her. He dispensed with her for a moment, but dis didn't discharge her for a lifetime. 
because he affected how Amy felt and Amy's emotions. And so this morning, I rise to tell us and advise us that we should be what? I can't hear you. Speak to me. That we should be what? Are you in the building? We need to be what? Tender-hearted. Number two, uh, God is a model father of compassion. Somebody say compassion. <laughs> the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see Father again? He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And he's the father of all comfort. He's the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. And now that's very important. It says in, in some of our afflictions. It says in all of our afflictions. Now, it's easy to comfort in less than expected moments. Now, what are less than expected moments? Let me speak to some of these young people. You know when your father is expecting an A and you bring home a B symbol? Uh, that's, that's less than, less than expected, less than expected. Now, it's easy to, to work through less than expected. Um, it's easy to give comfort. But when the child comes in home with having taken the car without permission and smashing it, <laughs> it's easy to be a father when the symbol was expected as a B and you brought home a C. But it's not easy to be a father when, when things really go and you want to smash That's when who comforts us in all our afflictions come in. In all of our afflictions. And I'm trying to say that, listen, there will be times when you want to throw all of their toys with them out. With the cotton, the bath water. You want to throw them out. But that's where the strength of fathering comes in. That's where your maturity comes shows. That's where strength comes. When you want to lose it but you can stand because you have a role model of God and he says you just bite your teeth. You hold. You hope that the insurance will pay for the damage but even if it doesn't you'll still stand having done all things. Therefore stand. When you are that kind of a father then you have reached the role modeling of the father who is a compassionate Father, so I pray, and I'm not there too. Sometimes maybe I will get tested, um, but but you've got to express compassion. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. Number three, God, God is is good. Good listening is a good listener. So there's good listening. You're not only to listen, but also affirmations. Affirmations. Now, the Bible says, are you getting something? 
Ephesians chapter 4, 29 says, Let no corrupting thought come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. God is a father of refuge. If you write in, write it down, and I think God will minister to you later on this point. But you have to be a father of refuge. What is a father of refuge? Let me, let me, I'll come back to it, but let me teach on it. If I entered a room, and I came to you, Craig, and I walked up to you and said, I'm Vernon, uh, I'm pleased to meet you. And man, I was just standing and watching you, man, you, you, you look so smart. I love your shoes, I love, your, I love the way you dress. And you respond and give me a, a smack of note. Because I'm Christian and I'm a pastor, I go back, I pray, I cry, and I come back and say, let's try it again. I'm Vernon, I just saw you on the other side and... Uh, I give you all the good things, and you give me another smack. And I go back, and then I want to come back to you. But thinking that that is your response, like a dog who stands at a gate and barks, a barking dog soon will chase away visiting visitors. You say, where are you going with this, Pastor? Sometimes in our behavior as fathers, our, our children come to us, but our response, because we are so busy, our agenda doesn't correspond with their agenda. And maybe you don't smack them, but your response with your words can create a thing like, don't bother me now. I'm just too busy. And so they go, and they come back to you, and your response is just the same. And so what you do is, uh, through your, not your action, but through your words, because words sometimes speak louder than actions. And through your words, you've already put up a barrier, and you're wondering, why, my, why don't my children ever confide in me? Because it could be. That when they were trying to come to you, you were not a good listener and you did not affirm them. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God always affirmed his son. Are you with me this morning? So a good father connection is established when you can listen without criticizing or condemning. Now, many times, and I, I think I'm, I've been, when I was preparing this, the Lord said, I'm guilty. I'm guilty first and foremost. Because every time my children talk to me, I sermonize. <laughs> I can make sermons. You, you talk to me, I'll say, you, you know, in the Bible, they say, this is our church. So we sermonize them. So from now, I'm just going to listen and, and sometimes without sermonizing, we say, did I not tell you? I tried telling you this, but you wouldn't listen. <laughs> uh, another thing is like, you listen to the child. 
I can't believe you did that. Shucks. After me telling you so many times, I just can't believe you did that. Those are all of that slap in the face conversations. Those are all the times, times when they want to talk to you and you... Then you wonder why your children don't come to you. Because you'll sermonize. Because you will listen with the intention of rebuttal. Even if the rebuttal has no reference to what they're going through, you feel like, I told you. I saw this coming. Some of you are laughing because you're guilty. And so this morning, I just want to say to you, are you with me? Man, it sounds like I'm in virtual. Just for, This is how it is when I preach without. Your children should not suffer a love famine. Your children should not suffer a love famine. No one... Let me say, a love famine is, they don't feel love in your homes. And I want to just throw this to you. No one ever outgrows the need for affection. Everybody wants affection. No matter who you are, what your age is, whether you're a child or great-grandparent, everybody wants to feel loved. No one outgrows the need for affection. And so, and, and sometimes we punish people by wanting to withhold affection. So, so we, we're not bad to them, but we're not good to them. And so we withhold affection, uh, trying to punish them. Knowing that everybody thrives on affection. Are you with me this morning? So let me just say this <clears throat> as I wind down. There is power in a hug. Will you say that this morning? There is power in a hug. I know that's this pandemic and this is another demon that's, that's holding back the power of hugging. And it's pushing us away as society that we, people want to feel loved, but they feel condemned by no one hugging them. Let me say there's a power in a hug. But uh, maybe we can't hug because of the mass. We can't even smile. But let me start a new thing in the church. A wink. There is power in a wink, all right? So we're just going to, when I wink to you, you must know I'm not fluking you, but I am uh, not making a move on you, uh, but I am greeting you, all right? So will you, will you understand that there is a power in a wink? We should find new ways to affirm each other. I got you. That's good. Uh, our words should be more affirming. I got you. You're a good, bad husband, but good father. Okay, balance it up. No problem. You set me up on one. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm big. I'm, I'm grown now. I'm not going to die because of that. Start a whole World War III on that statement. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just going to move on. I take the good, chew the meat, spit out the bones. She said three things, but two were good. You're a good father, good great-grandfather. Two out of three, I'm doing well. 66%, I'm doing well. I'm on my way to Canaan's land. <clears throat> Everybody stared this morning. <coughs> Number 
four. Can anyone remember what is point number four? God said, if you then who are evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will I as a father give you good? Fathers are givers. Let me say this to you again. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. Proverbs 13, 22. The inheritance may not necessarily be made up in money and wealth. It can be in other things like value system, integrity, ethics. We pour those things out. Um, a young man entered my yard the other day because his ball came in. He said, good morning, sir. I think he's five, maybe six years of age. Good morning, sir. Is it okay if I fetched my ball? That was good manners. Good morning, sir. Can't be more than six years. Somebody put an inheritance of value, of behavioral patterns that is worthy of emulation. I don't know where he got it from, but I would think that his parents, uh, when, when he was leaving, <laughs> he said, have a good day, sir. I said, you too. He said, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> a six-year-old boy. I thought, where did he get that from? But his father, he must have, his father may not have even taught him. I think he must have watched and learned. Children are good uh, replicas. They, they watch and learn. A good father does not leave potholes, but builds pathways of success in your road. And so this morning as we close, leave the world a better place. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Let's bow. Heavenly Father, I pray for every upstanding father that's in this house or those fathers that are watching us this morning. We may not have had great role models, but we understand today that God, the God of the heavens, is our first, foremost, primary father. And so, Lord, we draw from your example. Help us to be better fathers going forward. As fathers stand in this auditorium and fathers that are watching us, I ask that you would bless them, give them strength, increase their maturity levels. Help them, oh God, to leave a good inheritance. Help them to be good listeners. Help them to be tender-hearted, filled with mercy. And I release your presence, divine presence over every father that's here present in Jesus' name. Receive the benediction this morning. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will insulate you and keep you from all infection, disease. Anything that is viral may not come into your body. I speak and insulate you with the blood of Jesus and by the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make His face shine upon your face. That means His glory will be upon you. And God's peace will be in and around you. Everyone that's connected to you will experience God kind of peace. The peace that passes human understanding. I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.